today on State Scoop's Priorities podcast from Scoop News Group, the first internet famous city chief innovation officer. So combined Chinese and music, started making some videos, and they went really viral on the Chinese internet. Welcome to State Scoop's Priorities podcast. Every Thursday, you'll get insights into the state and local government technology community. You'll hear from top leaders across the state and local world, and of course, the latest news and trends ahead for the industry. I'm your host, Jake Williams. Here's what's happening this week. Virginia has a new CIO, again, Bob Osmond, previously the IT lead for the State Department of Transportation, will take the helm of the Virginia Information Technologies Agency. Osmond comes to the job after the abrupt departure of former CIO Phil Whitmer, who stepped down as the state's CIO only one month after Governor Glenn Youngkin named him. Texas's Department of Information Resources has named Angelo State University as the first of several regional security operations centers around the state. The SOC will provide network monitoring and incident response services to local governments and other entities around West Texas. The creation of regional SOCs is part of Senate Bill 475, a sweeping piece of cybersecurity legislation that Governor Greg Abbott signed into law last year. California's Department of General Services added GitLab to the state's software licensing program. GitLab is a publisher of software development tools that check individual lines of code for known vulnerabilities in near real time instead of waiting until an entire program is completed. San Jose, California is experimenting with the use of sensors to prevent pedestrian deaths. The city is the hub of Silicon Valley, perhaps the biggest center of private sector innovation in the United States. These sensors use LIDAR to identify near misses or where pedestrians are almost struck by a vehicle. Data on those near misses is a crucial data point for the city to solve that problem, according to City Chief Innovation Officer Clay Garner. Garner has led innovation in the city for the last several months, and he's been with the city for three years. He, he tells State Scoop's Colin Wood about his approach to the project. Yeah, so I've been now in the city of San Jose for about three years. So I started out as a deputy chief of staff to the mayor. Um, before that, I was at Google. So I've always been interested in sort of combining the best of the technology world with public sector and really trying to work on our residents' problems. So I just assumed the chief innovation officer role in January. And my priority is really around three key initiatives. So that's digital inclusion, bridging the digital divide, in San Jose, where it's absurd to think that we have families in the heart of Silicon Valley that don't have access to the internet and you know none of the jobs and the opportunity that that provides. Two, really thinking about public safety and how technology can help us um, improve our public safety while at the same time protecting privacy and improving transparency with um, the community. And then finally, and I think this is most relevant to our discussion today, emerging transportation and thinking about how we can leverage technology to make our city safer when it comes to traffic safety. And also to think about how new forms of transit and transportation are going to impact things like the climate, equity, um, and our roadways in general. How did you decide on those things and how in general do you make decisions on what to focus on, especially given that you've mentioned in the past that cities like yours can be often short on resources, in particular, uh, you know, human capital to, to get things done. Exactly. And our team is, is definitely no outlier from that. We like to call ourselves a startup in government, and we are very scrappy from a budget and staffing standpoint. That being said, you know, I have the privilege of working in the mayor's office, so we get a pretty big vantage point across the city in terms of all the policy areas and the problems that people are facing. They come to us first, and they're like, hey, mayor, can you figure out how to deal with this Thing we're dealing with and you know that's really about taking 
um, the problems people are facing and then evaluating, you know, can technology actually be useful here? Can our investment of time and resources address the problem effectively? And so, of course, there are other problems in the community that are incredibly severe, like the unhoused situation right now in San Jose, California. But given our specific resources as a team and, you know, our skills, we have settled on these three areas where we think in the immediate term, we can really have some kind of impact. So I'd say it's really a question of allocating our resources effectively towards the problems that we actually think we can make a meaningful gain on. Uh, I think it might be good to just run down those three items in more detail then. Yeah, so on Digital Divide, we did a study back in about 2017 now, which feels like forever ago. And we found that almost 100,000 people in San Jose did not have reliable access to the internet. And that's 10% of our population in the center of Silicon Valley. And so to address that, we created one of the largest municipal digital inclusion funds in the US. And that is a multi-year partnership where we actually take the revenue generated from 5G small cell deployment. And we use that to fund digital inclusion. So direct connections at the household level to the internet, to fund digital literacy programs with nonprofits and to provide people access to devices. We are also building out a very large community Wi-Fi network in East San Jose and other parts of the city that have traditionally more under connection than other places. And so we hope that that free network will also enable people to connect even when they don't have internet at home. And we're also looking at device refurbishment as a model. So we've got a really interesting device refurbishment program with a company called Revivin based out of New York City, where we actually work with tech companies to take their unused IT devices, refurbish them, and then take the profit of that and apply it all to buy new devices for students in San Jose. So really trying to attract, attack that three-pronged problem of connection, literacy, and then also devices. Mm. On the public safety side, oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, before you go ahead. So how do you know, or how will you know when the your digital divide initiatives are successful or not how are you measuring that and at what point will you be able to do that i know the timeline on some of these things there's kind of a you know it can take months or years before you understand the the impact of the policy yeah so that it, it's a measurement program which um depends very much on the specific approach that we're taking so one of those three approaches so for example on community wi-fi we're looking at utilization rate data of that program, which currently exists, and trying to figure out, you know, how many people are using it, what's the quality of the speed and the connection. And now the next step, which I think is extremely important, is qualitative research, which we're undergoing now, to understand, okay, for the people that do connect to this, you know, do they feel like this has actually made their lives easier? Are they connecting to access economic opportunities through jobs or education, things like that? So the we need to both understand how the current programs are being implemented from a sort of baseline data standpoint, like how many devices have been distributed, how many people have received internet connections. But I think the qualitative piece is even more important because the nature of the digital divide has changed so much since we first started this program. You know, before the pandemic, I think the digital divide was seen as something important, but not nearly as urgent as it is now. Mm -hmm. And people have you know, found all kinds of ways to kind of be resilient in the face of the digital divide in the pandemic, given the importance of having an internet connection in a device. 
So we have to also think about how advancement in things like smartphones has made, you know, under connectivity versus like purely non-connected uh, more of an interesting phenomenon for us to consider. So what does it look like when someone is actually able to connect to the internet via their phone, but it's not still uh, sufficient because they don't have that household internet connection for their kids, for example, because if you're sitting at home as a student, you know, you need a certain level of connection to be able to access zoom and to focus and have the ability to do your homework and things like that. Right. Yep. All right. Priority two. Priority two is really about public safety. And I think there's a lot of ways where public safety can be improved through technology. One of the big things that you mentioned earlier that we face is chronic uh, shortage of staff in the city. So that's fire department, police department, dispatchers. And we have to continuously serve, you know, our 1 million resident population. And we are looking for ways where tech can help us scale individual, you know, direct service capacity. So that's everything from automated speed enforcement to thinking about some tools for next generation 911 and how that's going to help our dispatchers do more with less in a very, very stressful and intensive job. But at the same time, my team has also really thought about how privacy can get baked into this and how transparency can also be a tool to actually improve public safety. Because without privacy and transparency, you, you lose that sense of public trust. And you know, if you really want great community emergency response and community policing, community fire response, like you need the community to be at the table and you need to have mechanisms for the city to consistently do that. So my team helped pass the first digital privacy policy back in 2020. So now we've hired a digital privacy officer and they've been doing some really great work um, when it comes to engaging the community on different types of surveillance technologies, which we've procured. And then on transparency piece, my team has also worked on a transparency portal with the independent police auditor, which we're hoping to launch soon, where uh, we are going to be able to showcase a lot of the information and the cases to the public in a way which is more user-friendly and accessible. Priority three is really thinking about emerging transportation and transit and how these shifts, which could potentially be more consequential or as consequential as the movement to the personal car, are going to impact our quality of life as a city. And my hope as an optimist is to ensure that this emerging mobility actually does help us make gains in traffic safety. It helps us make our streets less congested and it helps actually accelerate the you know, public shift to mass transit and walking. They also have a risk of potentially exacerbating all of these problems. You know, recently I was watching a viral video in San Jose of a Tesla on full self-driving mode kind of run over a bike lane. And, you know, I was thinking, wow, like autonomy is already on our streets. You know, this is not a question of, you know, five, six years down the line, maybe from a proliferation standpoint, but we're already seeing autonomy. And I think we need to really think about how the city is responding in a holistic way, not just, you know, regulating, but thinking, how do we work with companies? How do we work with communities to, to actually solve some of our problems here? Yeah. Well, any, any insights there? How, how do you do that? I mean, like, as you said, if there's, um, you know, if there's money to be made on, on something as there clearly is Tesla's or, you know, I see them everywhere here in California. Um, people are going to buy them and they're going to use them. And, 
uh, hopefully government isn't having to play too much catch up and as and you know and hopefully those bike lanes are empty when that happens right you know i think as we saw with the tncs and the micro mobility companies you know it's wave after wave of new thing comes out it gets deployed on our streets and it causes some kind of disruption or chaos largely because there was little to no communication i think preemptively between governments and industry and then you know we're now retroactively trying to figure out how to make this serve the community as opposed to you know exacerbate some of our problems and how it can be so much more productive if if we're all working together so to answer your question we're having a lot of conversation right now with urban air mobility oems which is really interesting because that may require a new type of infrastructure entirely with things like vertiports so how do we even think about zoning and planning for essentially the next generation of a heliport like what does that mean for community equity in terms of where these things are located and the impacts they have on the environment and while these things may be five to ten years out depending on who you ask and that's probably an early estimate to be honest um, i think it's great that we're actually having these discussions now as a city and you're starting to see more regional cooperation and also state and city cooperation in california emerge on some of these topics so i think by and large people recognize that there needs to be earlier conversation when it comes to next generation transportation technologies yeah that's great. All right. Is there any other kind of interesting, innovative stuff that you're working on that we should get to before I ask you a somewhat personal question? I always love personal questions. Um, you know, I would say there's some really interesting work that's happening around procurement in the city. And procurement is one of those things that doesn't really sound super sexy or, or cool, but it's it's core to what you know, my function seeks to do is to leverage the best technology out there for the right purpose to address problems that our residents are facing and to scale our ability to serve as an understaffed city. So we're thinking about how do we adjust our procurement system to better enable the best technologies for the problem and to make smarter solutions about, hey, like we've we piloted this tech, what did we learn from this? And how do we institutionalize that learning so that we can either scale the success or learn from not so successful projects and then um, really advance as a city. Because innovation, I think it requires acknowledgement of failure as much as it does require the ability to replicate success. And right now I think a lot of cities struggle to do that because procurement is really a challenge. Mm -hmm. Right, all right. So this next question doesn't have much to do with San Jose or city it either but it's it's too interesting for me to just uh, let you go without asking about it so for those who don't know you you were uh, something of a sensation briefly uh on the on in certain parts of the internet for uh i guess did you do any original music or was it all cover songs i did i did uh, both covers and original so i'm glad that you've you've definitely dug up these videos because it's <laughs> Yeah, I did. Yeah, we, we were passing them around and it's, you know, it's very interesting. So why don't, can you kind of summarize that whole experience and, and what, what happened exactly? Yeah, so funny enough, when I was in high school, I had the opportunity to learn Chinese through a Chinese government program, the Confucius Institute, and participate in a variety of programs. 
And also I was a singer and songwriter. So combined Chinese and music, started making some videos and they went really viral on the Chinese internet. So much of my high school experience in college, I had the opportunity to go to China and Taiwan and perform on TV shows. And I was on a series for a while in Beijing, like a talk show. And yeah, it was just a completely uh, unexpected, I think, life circumstance. And it still, I would say, informs a lot of how I think about the world. You know, I think there are not enough musicians or creator types working in cities, even though so much of what we do in, you know, like an innovation function, like the one I currently work in, has to do with thinking creatively or differently about a situation. And I think that um, has served me pretty well, but always down to break out into song and the mayor constantly makes references to it. So it has been really interesting. San Jose, California's Clay Garner, the city's chief innovation officer and internet star. You can read more about San Jose's innovation efforts in the show notes and on statescoop.com. I'm Jake Williams, host of State Scoop's Priorities Podcast. Next week on the show, we have Tennessee CIO Stephanie Dedman talking about NASIO's recent research on diversity and inclusion. You can subscribe to the podcast at PrioritiesPodcast.com and wherever you get your podcasts. The Priorities Podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. If you haven't already, please leave a review and or a rating on the podcast page. That makes it more likely that more people like you will find the show. This show is a product of Scoop News Group in Washington, D.C. James Mahoney helped put it together, and the entire Scoop News Group team contributes. Until next week, I'm your host, Jake Williams. Thanks for listening. Thank you.